This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike. Well, here we go, episode number 20. Is it really 20? 20. Wow. That means we've been doing this for five months. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's quite some time. I, it, it, it doesn't feel like five months, man. It's great. Yeah, it has. It's been a while. I guess that means time time flies when you're having fun. Okay. So it doesn't feel like five months. This has been fun, though, if you think about it. No, it has been. Going back over the years. It makes Mondays, know. when we do this, it drops on Tuesday, it makes Mondays a lot more enjoyable, something to look forward to. And when when Alabama, the Hokies, and the Redskins all win on the weekend, it's like a winning Monday. For for you, yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I had a pretty good weekend myself, although, yeah, the Ravens didn't help me out kicking things off Thursday night, but uh, my alma mater, Calvert Hall, Got revenge on Mount St. Joe and the MIAA semis. So they're going to the championship against McDonough, a team that they beat earlier in the year. We'll see if they can do it twice. But McDonough upset Spalding. So it makes it a little easier to win the championship. And then Michigan, with the big win over Penn State on the road Saturday, uh, made my uh, made the rest of my Saturday a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, I mean, I expected um, Alabama to roll over New Mexico State. Yeah, that was... But- but the, was that fifty nine to three? Yeah, something like oh, that. Oh, good guy. But the Virginia Tech game that I was there, and apologies to Jamie on Franklin for missing him get back on the bus uh, at the as we had tried to hook up. I, I left in the middle of the fourth quarter of that game because. Dude, it was cold. Mark Potter. It, I can't believe it, it was cold. Come on. And the wind in your face. I wasn't dressed for it. And Now, why uh, weren't you dressed for it, sir? Because I, I wasn't smart. You weren't prepared. Uh, yeah. I see. I, I wasn't prepared. See, I figured you had some nice uh, warm hot dogs and, and burgers keeping yeah. you all warm inside. No, nah, you know, and I, yeah. the gloves that I have, Yeah, I don't know why they call them gloves. <laughs> because my fingers were frozen. Oh. And uh, But, yeah, of course, we were out there since like 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know, tailgating yeah. from ten o'clock until game time was three thirty. Right, you know. So it was. Well, you know, uh, th- there are some tailgating things that you could do to help warm yourself up. Yeah, now, well, to your credit, I, you don't do those. Yeah, but there I are some water. things you could do. I drank yeah. water. Well, that's I, not going to do it. <laughs> and, I, and I watched others get warm. Yeah. you know. But uh, no, it was a uh, it was a great time. And uh, kudos. I still, you know, I tried to get the chant fire fuente, you know, as much as I could. Um, but I, I think that folks are ready for a change there at uh, Hokieville. But it was good to see that, uh, you know, the Hokies win and and an offense finally broke out. It's like, where has that been? Kind of like with my Redskins. Where, where's that performance been? Yeah, well, uh, first off, the experience just seeing on your Facebook page, the experience at a college football game, Virginia yeah. Tech uh, in this case. Uh, did uh, you really see the neat. live of the inner Sandman? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and uh, really neat and a packed house there yeah. at, uh, at Lane Stadium. And then, right, for your, uh, for your WFT, team formerly known as the Redskins, whatever you want to call them, uh, to cap off 
a touchdown, or excuse me, to cap off over a 10-minute drive of the touchdown to seal it mm-hmm. against Tampa Bay. That's the formula for beating Tom Brady is keep him off the field. Over a 10-minute drive there, yeah. capped off by Antonio Gibson's second touchdown rush of the day. Uh, they did a nice job. They had a 19-minute time of possession advantage. And again, that's a formula to win. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure you are a happy camper. I, I listened to that coming back up the road yesterday, and it was, a, you know, other than the idiots that were on the road, um, it made for a pleasurable ride. Um, I have determined they need to put walls up on each side of the Bay Bridge to keep the idiots from looking down into the water to see what's happening down there. Yeah, well, you get a lot of folks that uh, like to take pictures as uh, yeah. they're, they're driving. driving. Really, that should be the, uh, the the passengers doing that, not yeah. not the drivers. Yeah, but anyway, so it's, so. It, slowed, it slowed you down a little bit there. Um, yeah, and speaking of which, uh, over the weekend, I know that uh, Sam Huff passed away. Yes, yeah, Sam Huff. And uh, yeah, yesterday's game with uh, Tampa Bay was a Sam Huff kind of day because, you know, Sam Huff was a linebacker through and through. And it was a very hard hitting game. And, uh, you know, I, I always enjoyed, and you'll never be able to replace the broadcast team of Sonny Frank and Sam. You know, and, you know, Sam yeah, I mean, Huff, a lot of people know him for the broadcast. Sonny they forget Jergesen, he was a linebacker yeah. for the Redskins and the Giants. Yeah, Sonny yeah. Jurgensen and, of course, Frank Herzog, uh, three legends. And, uh, you know, now to you know, hear what, you know, you got Bram Weinstein, who's okay. And, you know, then D'Angelo Hall, which is, I don't know what his he brings. And Julie Donaldson. I don't know what she brings to the broadcast, but you know, give a listen sometime and you'll see what I'm talking about as well. But. Yeah, it's just I don't because I'm not a fan. Yeah, so I so. but but yeah, but, but, it's not the same. But while we're knocking out this college and the NFL stuff, what in the world happened to the Ravens last Thursday? Well, they got uh, it was amazing that the amount of times that they saw zero coverage, which means there was no free safety, which means it was all man up. The fact that they didn't defeat that and have wins against that is surprising to me with some of the speed that they have. Uh, a lot of blitzes from the defensive back position. And I think they had some 20 blitzes that Miami threw out him from the defensive back position. And they weren't able to adjust. They were horrible on third down. Uh, they did not have the running game that they needed to. You know, that line still coming together with all the injuries, but uh, they didn't handle blitz as well. Uh, you know, defensively, they played a pretty good game, but again, when they needed to stop late in the game, they didn't get it, so they had cut it to 15-10 to 10 on a touchdown pass to Andrews, and then they allow Miami to go right down the field to make it 22-10, to 10, and that's your final, and uh, the defense has been a roller coaster this year, but at the end of the day, I can't put it on the defense, uh, a very poor offensive performance. I don't care that it was a short week coming off of Minnesota. That was a game they should have had, and given what Pittsburgh... Uh, did with Detroit in a tie and then Cleveland losing. They got trounced by New England on the road. You know, it's a wasted opportunity, but now they got 10 days to get it right and they take on Chicago this Sunday in the Windy City. Well, and the thing is that it, it proved to me you know, with the with the Detroit-Pittsburgh thing, the New England, you know, stomping all over Cleveland, you know, my Washington football team beating Tampa Bay, any given team can win on any given day, and that's why you play the game. That's why the, the it's tough to come away with any narratives because of that very fact that it really is a week-to-week league in terms of matchups, and you get teams some weeks to play over their head or at least play better than what they've been uh, playing earlier, or they finally meet meet expectations 
And then there are other weeks where they don't. And and it's about matchups, too. For whatever reason, some weeks, teams just match up better uh, than other teams. Um, and that's just the way it goes. So you're right about that. It's it's week to week. This opening segment has been brought to you by Perrette Moy Therapy Associates, located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick Perrette and the staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies. So step away from the pain by calling Perrette Moy Therapy Associates at 410-604-2982. When we come back, uh, I want to talk about the uh, uh, other sports other than football that uh, teams from the shore uh, have been involved in. Uh, Some went well, some others not so well. We'll talk about those next right here. Time Out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. The Instant Offer event is going on strong at the Preston Automotive Group. If you want an instant offer for your vehicle, we'll give one to you on the spot. Or if you send us the VIN number and vehicle mileage, we can give you an instant offer and come pick up the vehicle from you with no purchase necessary. Get a check in just minutes and get an instant offer from any of our Preston Automotive Group locations for your best deal on your trade or just selling your vehicle. Preston Automotive Group is the way to go during the instant offer event. And this portion of Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast is brought to you by College Placement Consulting, providing invaluable college planning and high school guidance from sophomore through senior year. Let the dedicated professionals at College Placement Consulting help your child prepare for college. Go online to schedule a no-obligation appointment now at collegeplacementconsulting.com. All right. So uh, we were talking about uh, games that don't involve football. Uh, Tip of the hat. To both J.M. Bennett and mm-hmm. Parkside yeah. in boys soccer. Uh, they are going to the state championship game. And the Parkside game was, what, Saturday night? And it was a 10-9? to 9, Was yeah. on penalty kicks? Yeah, it's wow. crazy. You don't, see, you don't see that often. Well, Parkside is going to play Saturday um, against Hartford Tech. Okay. That game is going to be played at 12 noon. And that's for the 2A title. And it's uh, being played at Loyola University. Oh, my alma mater. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, J.M. Bennett's actually going to play Friday for the 3A title mm-hmm. against C. Milton Wright. That one will start at 5 o'clock on Friday. So congratulations to both of those shore teams. Absolutely. Playing for the state title uh, that's going to be coming up, uh, like I said, uh, this coming <laughs> Uh, weekend. So if you're if you're a Stephen Decatur, for instance, you look at that and say, yeah, those are the teams we had to play this year, and they're in the finals, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, and it's it's impressive that that they have made it that far. Uh, volleyball. So Queen Anne's uh, played host to uh, the uh, Glen Elg. Uh, who is, seems to be good in everything they play. Yeah, well, Howard County, a big population out there, a lot of draw, and you're right. They, they've got a good athletic program they put together there. Yeah, so they played on Friday in the uh, uh, the state, uh, what was the state quarterfinals, and uh, they came up short. They ended up losing by the score three games to none. So uh, their season is over. And uh, North Dorchester played host to... Mountain Ridge, who came all the way from Cumberland. Uh, and uh, Yeah, that's a long trip. That is a long trip. Oof. And they, too, also um, won three games to none. So uh, definitely a, a, tough, a tough go there. So, um, yeah, the travel didn't affect them. Yeah, the travel didn't affect them at all. Um, in the uh, field hockey, you know, we mentioned that Easton 
uh, played in the state semifinals mm-hmm. uh, last week. They lost to Glen Elg 3 nothing mm-hmm. um, on Thursday. There's Glen Elg again popping yep. up right. Yep. Mm-hmm. The uh, cross-country state championships were this past weekend. And uh, over at Hereford High mm-hmm. and Cambridge South Dorchester's John Condon took the state title in the 1A East. Yeah, I saw that. He he was in one of the local papers. Congratulations. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, John, actually, his sister, Sarah, won the state title for cross-country for girls three years ago. Her name is Sarah Connor? Sarah Sarah Condon. (laughs) Oh, Condon. Okay. uh, Sorry, I I had uh, Terminator on the brand. Okay. (laughs) So so pretty cool there uh, for John Condon. He actually beat DeLeone from uh, Bow Manor. Uh, in the final, the guy he lost to in the regions, okay, in the region final, well, he ended up beating him by almost 20 seconds. So, uh, wow. pretty pretty impressive run there. Did, did he run all the way to Hereford to get uh, the warm-up in before he could beat uh, I don't think he needed to. <laughs> and he was probably able to fly yeah. home after feeling pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'd uh, say so. You know, for uh, having a good showing there. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the uh, uh, girls in the 2A, um, the uh, Sarah Van Ornum from uh, from uh, Kent Island High School uh, was our hopeful, uh, really, uh, here on the shore. And I believe she ended up coming home 10th um, overall in, in that contest. So, uh, you know, t- out of a lot of out of a lot of runners, though. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, to give you an idea, uh, the winner, Daisy Dastrup from Poolsville, mm-hmm. uh, turned a 1940 and Sarah was a 2042. Wow. So, yeah. so not that far off. No. So look I mean, at from 10 to 1. I mean that's a short that's a short uh, margin. Yeah. That is a- or a small margin, excuse me. Now I know she's not happy with it but with all the runners to finish 10th and we're looking at the list it's it's still quite impressive but I'll say this with teams with these individual comp- you know competitions as well you get obviously you just want to be able to give it your very very best and ultimately there are times when you're going to come up against other athletes or teams that are just better and you just want to know that you gave it your everything in that championship and if you did then you you live with the results that hey there are times where there are teams and athletes are just better um but you know to make it that far as well is a heck of an accomplishment sophie light from easton who was the second fastest runner uh, from the shore she came in 21st okay uh to give you an idea there Mm -hmm. uh looking at the 1a girls results because we looked at the uh, boys there um as well and, and scanning through um, don't really see anybody local from the shore that uh, came home in the top 25. I will say in the 3A uh, for the boys, you know, Jay and Bennett's got a pretty solid runner down there. They do. A pretty spectacular year. I thought it was two of them, actually. And, uh, Tim Senewick, um mm-hmm. was second. He finished second. Okay. Um, looks like he finished second by about 14 seconds to Antonio Camacho Bucks from Centennial. Yeah. That's um, <laughs> obviously faced a heck of a good runner there. But 14 listen, seconds. This guy ran 3.1 miles yeah. all right, through terrain uh-huh. in 16.059. Okay, that, 
That's yeah, that's a five-minute mile. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm doing the turkey trot at the YMCA <laughs> coming up on May Thanksgiving be a tr- morning. Yeah, it might not even be a trot. I, I, I'm going I'm to go- I'm gonna wobble before I gobble, but I will tell you, there's no way in the world that me or anyone else that's running in that race is going to do it in 1605. <laughs> yeah, it may take five minutes for that first, uh, or it may, it may take, uh, yeah, five minutes for that first 10 feet. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I'm just hoping to beat an hour, you know, so that's, that's my time yeah did so, bennett i thought bennett had another runner there is there not one other guy maybe well, just in place while well. they, they they had two guys i knew that were that were supposed to be standouts well, for them maybe he tripped because uh <laughs> he's not in the top 38 okay he, okay know, we'll look uh-huh. on this other side um no it just doesn't, right. doesn't look like it was a good day for anybody other than uh, timothy okay. uh tristan dutton from Stephen decatur uh came in 71st mm. so uh but yeah, not not a very good showing outside of Timothy Zinnewick for the uh, uh, for the shore in right. the 3A. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, hey, that's uh, good stuff though. You know, congratulations to uh, all of our student athletes that did so well. Uh, uh, you know, in all of the events. Yeah. You know, and and Parkside and Bennett still have a shot. They do. They do. So. Now, where did I see, and you can help me out here, field hockey. I know we're talking Bayside South, but uh-huh. did Pocomoke? Oh, yes. Thanks for reminding me. I was going to say, I thought Pocomoke won a state title. Well, see, but the part of the problem is Pocomoke fails to communicate with us at all. Understood. Okay? They Understood. don't give us any information. Yeah, I've never seen anything they, from they, them. They've yeah. never sent me anything. Okay? And so it's like they're like in Virginia. Because it's like they don't want us to know about them. I mean, it, we don't get communication. We don't get help from them. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, and we've asked for it. You know, we send us information. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Pocomoke was, uh, won the 1A state championship in field hockey. Yeah. Thanks for uh, bringing you that got, up. Yeah. Well, and, and I also saw, and granted, they're just right across the bridge, but I saw Severna Park and the 4A, I believe it was, their 25th of the program's history. That's crazy. That, they, I think we call that domination. Don't yeah, we? yeah. But anyway, congrats to, to Pokemon. Please communicate with us. Yeah, I mean, we're out there for the kids. I mean, that that's why we're here, right? Correct. Well, time to turn our attention to football. We'll do that next. Hanging out with Bob Pino at an optical galleria with three locations in Centerville, West Ocean City, and in Easton. And Bob, you guys have an exciting new sunglass line called Hook. Hook is designed by myself, Nikki, and since we're into the sport fishing and the polarized lenses, they are being formulated exactly for us to have performance on the water, great driving sunglasses, and super quality. It's just really nice to have your own product. I have a pair of hook glasses, and you're right. You get behind the wheel. They are very comfortable. It's just a nice-fitting, cool-looking sunglass that performs extremely well. Hook sunglasses available in all three in Optical Galleria locations where you get all sorts of different glasses for all sorts of different needs. Computer, night driving, fishing, motorcycle riding, sewing glasses. We can make glasses specifically for that. At an Optical Galleria. Check them out online at eisenart.net. This portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast presented by the Preston Automotive Group is sponsored by 
Mentor Exteriors, handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore. Every detail matters, so let the Master Elite GF Certified and Shingle Master Roofers take care of your home or business today. You can get more info at MidshoreExteriors.com. Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, the 20th edition of Time Out with Shore Sports. And yeah, thank- how about that? We're thankful that you guys are listening uh, you know, with us, and our listenership has grown each and every week. Good, good. And uh, keep sharing. Keep letting folks know about it. We're here for the kids. Uh, coming up in a little while, I had a conversation with Joe Simi. Uh, he's an artist. He was at the Waterfowl Festival this past weekend uh, and also wrote a book. And uh, you'll hear more about that uh, coming up a little bit later on. Uh, this, this afternoon. Uh, in it's this not about podcast. art, though. <laughs> no, it's not. It's about baseball, actually. Right. And, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, the guy got to see, you know, some pretty amazing stuff. And uh, he's 75 years old and still playing baseball. Yeah, that's right. You had mentioned that <laughs> yes. last week. So it's absolutely yep. crazy. But uh, yep. so we'll be talking to Joe uh, coming up in just a little bit. But first, I want to talk about uh, the. Uh, uh, Preston Ford Game of the Week, mm-hmm. presented by Best Western Plus, Easton and for all seasons. Uh, you were kind enough to do that while I went off to see Billy Strings. It was and, my uh, pleasure. I had a blast. You, Absolute you blast. You and Matt Griffith, and uh, I listened in a little bit while I was waiting for Billy Strings to get on the stage because he was 30 minutes late to taking the stage. Oh, so, fashionably late, yeah, right? so yeah. I got to listen to uh, uh, some of the broadcasts. While I guess I'm, it wasn't too loud for you to actually hear that. I, I was surprised when Matt said, yeah, was, Mark's listening in. It was a struggle. But yeah, it had times because okay. it got. They were still playing music. Well, that's what I thought. And, yeah, yeah, a yeah, warm up act or and something. My boy yeah. was you know talking to all his other friends because you know Billy Strings concert. There's people travel all across the world to to see this guy. Is that um, is that right? See, oh, I, yeah. I've never heard of the guy before, yeah. but I'm not a country bluegrass guy, so I guess my I wouldn't son have. had friends there that he didn't even know they were going. Yeah. They just happened to gather and uh, did, did from Atlanta, basically from Florida all the way up to New Hampshire. Yeah, people come to these things from all over. Yeah. So my son came in from Colorado. It was his 99th time seeing Billy Strings. <laughs> I know back in the 90s. Now, not exactly uh, bluegrass, but the Dave Matthews Band when he was really, really big. In the '90s, I know my wife Brooke went to see him like twenty some times. Well, this is it's, in a couple me, of years. He is the International Bluegrass Music Association Guitarist of the Year and Entertainer of the Year. But he's like, he's like a, even his, his you know four piece band. They're like a jam band. They really are. Hmm. You know, I mean, you got the bass, you got the uh, um, um, the guitar which Billy plays, you got the banjo, and then you got the mandolin. And they are just, they're fabulous. Mm-hmm. I would encourage you to check them out, Billy Strings. And uh, he's really good. I've never seen anybody pick a guitar quite like he does. And uh, But, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. But the football game. Yes, let's looked, get back to that. It looked like it was um, really close early yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, not the start that North Carolina wanted to have. Well, it fumble. was four, well, it was fourteen. Right, it was fourteen to six in the first half. But yeah. right, North Carolina fumbles. Ken Island takes advantage of it. They score, but Ken Island ends up turning the ball over. North Carolina scores. They don't get the extra point, and thus it's seven to six. But both teams made up for their mistakes. Right. So it was as if it was a brand new game. Uh, but ultimately, Ken Island was able to score another touchdown, take that eight point lead into halftime, and then in the second half. He didn't throw the ball many times in the game, and we're talking about uh, uh, Burnside, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Burnside. 
10 passes in the game, five completions, two were touchdown passes, and both were good touchdown passes that he threw. They were accurate, uh, well-thrown, and again, obviously, good job by the wide receivers uh, to catch the ball, but the difference in this game is that Ken Island was able to get a running game going and get it going big time. Now, I realized towards the end of the game, with the game in hand at that point, maybe some of the yards aren't as important but you know Casey Heath 22 rushes 199 yards he had two rushing touchdowns that's a big deal they used a lot of different formations against North Carolina and they had uh, they had success and of course uh, touchdown passes to Brockington Mason Brockington and Keegan O'Brien in that one as well right Brockington was the one that put them up by nine and that ended up I think being the difference in the game uh, that was a beautifully thrown ball and then O'Brien's another guy they're sliding guy who also plays special teams and got the TD pass there. But, uh, you know, North Carolina, they, they hung in there as long as they could. They really did. I mean, that, you know, nothing to be uh, ashamed about. Mason McFadden, he ran his tail off in that game. I, I really thought that they – 109 par- yards and two scores. Yeah, I really thought that uh, – and I always get these guys confused with some of the Y-High guys. I think they have the same last name. But is it uh, Watkins? Jaden Watkins. Jaden Watkins. I actually thought they should have gotten him the ball a little bit more too, though, because when he got it, he looked really good. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's fast. He's explosive. He had a big run in the game, um, but just not uh, just not enough. North Carolina with some penalties that hurt themselves uh, in the game as well. Uh, uh, but Kent Island, uh, again, that ground game uh, was uh, potent. I mean, 255 rushing yards against Caroline's defense. You usually don't see that too often. Well, and, you know, this was a game that – and we've, we've said it publicly, uh, you know, several times this year. Uh, you have to wonder how many more years Ferragamo's going to coach, how many more years McCormick's going to coach and him and his crew because McCormick's kids and, and Joseph's kids and Ward's kids have all been out of school now for a while. And they're hanging and just continuing to coach. Because they love to do it. They, they do. Right. They love right. to do it. And, yeah, they've never said when that will be their last year. Ferragamo's son graduates this year as well. You know, and while I think he loves to do it, I think he also would love to, you know, be able to, to, to get on with his life doing other things on that the he farms to do on the farm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you wonder, you know, did we just see McCormick and Joseph and Ward coach their last game? And, and again, we don't know. Um, and uh, hopefully um, they've been very good to us that, you know, if they do make that decision, and I certainly don't expect them to make that decision right now. I think you walk it's away. too emotional you've got to, to let make it that sit decision. for a while. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say coach after the game. I, and I don't know if it's just because the last year with COVID has mm-hmm. been difficult, but he, he he wasn't, um, you know, usually after these games that I've seen, especially when they made deeper playoff runs, it's been very, very emotional. He seemed to be a coach that felt like he got the most out of these guys. I think that's the best way to put it. So, while of course he's disappointed that he lost, I think he felt like, hey, I did all that I could do. He was a guy that almost felt like there was a little bit of a weight lifted off of him uh, with that. So, uh, you know, and again, you don't know all that goes on behind uh, behind the scenes, but you know, COVID has been tough and, and the challenge these guys have had to deal with um, week in and week out, day in and day out. You just felt like um, he felt like there was, again, a burden lifted off of what that burden is. We can only guess. Well, and you know, you, you bring up a good point. It's North, a long season. You know, North Carolina has always been that hardworking, blue collar yes. type of kid. Yeah. And this, he didn't have any special 
athletes stay stand up on a, above and beyond. I mean, yeah, Owen Doyle's a good, you know, good ball well, player. Well, I'm going to bring him up, by the way, in a second yeah. after we're finished with this. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, you had Owen Doyle. He He's a stud. And other coaches have called him a stud. Yeah. All right. So, really, they didn't have anybody else. You know, I mean, you have good kids. And McCormick has talked about how good his kids are. They're good, hardworking kids. <laughs> And and that's I think you're right. I think you nailed it when you said he got the most out of this group. You know, Bunce was effective at quarterback. He did what he he managed the game. He didn't lose them games. McFadden, Watkins, Doyle, Piavis, yeah. um, the line with. Uh, By the uh, way, Clark. he had a couple of nice catches in the game. Piavis, Clark, and um, and uh, yeah, Jamari Roberts, and you can go on and on and on about these kids, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they're going to graduate a lot, but they've got a pretty good young up-and-coming group as well. But uh, what do you want to point out about well, t- well, two items in that game. First off, we had heard, and because Coach had said in the interview, that we were going to see two quarterbacks in the game. Yeah, let's say Bill. He did not play. I mean, he punted, but he did not play quarterback. Wow. Now, there had been some rumblings that maybe there was something physically, some uh, physical ailment that he uh-huh, was dealing with uh-huh. that would have prevented him from playing quarterback or, or you know, play right. after play after play. But we did not see him at all. That was a big mm. because we thought he might be an X factor right. in the game compared to the last time. We thought, look, there's nowhere, there's no way there are going to be the amount of penalties right. and hopefully the eje- any ejections like there was the, the first time. And then when you throw him in, we, we thought, okay, that's an X factor. Things could be, maybe they'll be a bit different, you know, maybe radically different. Who knows? Right. Um, but he did not play quarterback. So mm. that was something that we were looking for that did not happen. There was a play in the game in the first half where I believe it was seven to six North Carolina's driving Owen Doyle runs the ball and it gets a first down for North Carolina over the 50 into Kent Island territory around the 45 and he gives a first down signal he gets flagged on sportsmanlike conduct so there's still the first down but they get pushed back wow that okay that killed the momentum Kent Island forced them on a three and out after you know in that in that specific series so they get the first down but they're pushed back back to their own side of the field three and out and we thought matt and i thought that that was a turning point in the game because north carolina looked very much like they were going to go down the field and score on ken island and to caroline's credit against a very good ken island defense north carolina ran the football fairly effectively in this game fairly effectively they didn't have the passing game uh that ken island does but again ken island didn't have a huge passing game they were effective when they had to be but that was a huge part in the game we thought let's talk about that penalty so he got up after getting the first down and just gave the first down signal, just like you see college players and NFL players do all the time. Yeah, well, they're given slack did, that high schoolers but, aren't usually, But though. did he do it at anybody, or did he just get up and just give the signal? I, my, to my recollection, he just got up and gave the signal. He see, didn't, he didn't do it crap. in the face. He didn't do it in the face. And here's the other thing, too, and I'm trying to remember. I don't know if it was... Heath, I guess it was Heath because he had a couple of touchdowns. He scored it on a touchdown run, left corner of the end zone. He gives a bow. 
There you go. Did not get flagged. Right. Did not get flagged for that. Now, the touchdown would have counted. It would have been assessed on the kickoff. So it's not exactly the same in terms of the result because the six points count. But we really thought that that, that was a big play. We thought the way Caroline was getting momentum and driving down the field, just our best guess. We're doing this long enough. We we think we know what we're talking about. And I I think that is more proof that the officials were gunning for number nine. They knew ahead of time that he was an issue in the last game. Okay. Now, again. Now, he has to know that. He has to know that, though. But is it right? No. No. But it's a fact. And you're right. He needs to know that. But at the same time, the kid has a first down run at a key point of the game. Gets up as having fun. Gets up and gives a first down signal. Not towards anybody. I don't remember it being at, yeah, at anybody. And yeah. and it's crap that they're going to flag that. And I don't care if the kid was North Carolina, uh, Colonel Richardson, Ken Island. I don't care. These kids are having fun. They didn't do anything towards anybody. And that's not right. Especially if you're not going to flag the kid in the end zone from the opponent that was giving a bow. And again, just having yeah. fun. I have no problem with him doing that. But if you're going to flag one, for one team, you got to flag the other for the other team, and they were gunning for number nine. No, uh, all I can tell you is that's what come we on, saw. Come on, Mike, you can take a side on this. Well, I, told, right, well, no, I told you the way. Well, I told you the way it was. Right. I mean, all, all I can tell you though is, but if you, it's not right. But if you if you know it's the same officiating crew, then you've got to be doing it better and cleaner than everybody else. And well, he he had to know that. If he doesn't know that, then that's as much on him as it is on the rest. Well, it's not so much the same officiating. They had they they came from the same group, so you know that they knew about his history in the game in the middle of October. Okay, I, I was... Okay, and maybe I had some misinformation. I thought some, that, that, that some of those... It was the same group, okay. some of the same officials. Some of the same, right, okay. Okay, oh, just not all of them. So, because um, oh. yeah, I, I think that the first time we saw him, I think they picked a couple up off the street on the way to the game. Well, that. So, but <laughs> anyway, and I think um, both coaches would probably agree with that. But yeah. it sounds like it, it was a great game. It, it, yeah, I mean, for you know, two and a half quarters, it, it was a good game. It was a good turnout. It was great pageantry in the game. Obviously, the the passing ability that Burnside brings to be able to go deep to hit some shots that they were able to take that that was really the difference. North Carolina's not quite able and built to do that. And again, Bell didn't play. We thought we'd see him, but. Ultimately, the better team won. North Carolina. I mean, what they finished six and five. Mark had a good I mean, year. Yeah, I mean, you get he got. I think as mu- as most uh, as he could out of them. And who knows if you don't get the ejection of Doyle, if some penalties go differently, who knows how the first time that game goes in Stevensville? Maybe Caroline pulls it out. Maybe you're looking at another one. Who knows with that? But yeah, I think he he certainly Coach McCormick maxed out with those guys. Let's talk about the preview of this Friday night's game real quick. This preview of Friday. Friday night's Preston Ford Game of the Week is presented by the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance, located in Stevensville at 112 Lock Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park, now offering 24-hour gym access. More information at theedgetrainingacademy.com. They're going to be playing Frederick Douglass from PG County, Upper Marlboro, uh, this coming Friday night at 7 o'clock. We'll have the Roto-Rooter uh, pregame show at 6.40. And Frederick Douglass... 
has lost one game this year, and that was to uh, St. Vincent Pilate by the score 20 to nothing earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but outside of that, they have run the gamut. Uh, Coach Monty Sutton has them playing at a high level. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think they run a wing tee there. I'm not. I'm not positive on that. I know that that is a traditionally that's a very good program. Douglas there too. There's one in Baltimore, and mm-hmm. then there's one in PG County, and this is the team that we're talking about. They may mark. I, I don't know 100. percent It, it looks uh, the way they line up in the backfield. I couldn't get a look at the whole, you know, uh, offense, but mm-hmm. it looks like they're running a wing T, and uh, you know, but they've got a couple of good running backs, and, and they spread the ball around, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how this one works out because uh, it's going to be a good matchup. Now, Ken Island will be at home. That's a positive. We need to pack out the uh, stadium. And then on top of that, the the one negative is Ken Island is now, all the officials from this point forward are assigned by the state. Mm -hmm. So they could come from anywhere. Yeah. And you don't want to let it come down to officiating. Now, that's easier said than done sometimes right. to, to say that they don't make an impact. They do make an impact. But you try to make enough plays and be as smart as possible that uh, whatever flubs they may have, that it doesn't adversely affect you. Now, I'm just trying to go through the schedule that they've played. As you talked about, their one loss to Pilate. You know, okay, but you know who have they beaten? A record can look great, but if you haven't beaten anybody, if you've beaten up on teams that have poor records, what does that necessarily Necessarily say about you and look and I don't say this in disrespect but Cambridge gave a better game to Hartford Tech than we expected would be the case Absolutely. you look we'll at to that one shortly, right yeah. but I'm just saying that that's an example of okay but ultimately who did Hartford Tech beat and maybe that's why Cambridge gave them a better game with all due respect to Cambridge maybe that's why maybe we gave too much love to Hartford Tech uh, just based on record alone which I really try not to do but sometimes with some of these teams it's tough because you just don't follow them intimately enough to know but taking a look at Douglas. They have beaten some teams like Potomac. In fact, they beat Potomac, what, twice this year. Potomac's got uh, a solid record. They finished, I think, 7-3. Largo 8-2, a team they beat 32-0. So, you know, they've beaten some teams that have had winning records. Gwynn Park as well. So, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a, a tough game for Ken Island. Certainly playing at home. They've always done well there. They've got a balanced offense. They've got a tough-nosed defense. They may not uh, they may not look like uh, they've got uh, the 85 Bears uh, on a roster, but uh, they uh, they have been very good. Um, Caroline was able to run the football against them, but Caroline matched up well, Mark. You know, so can I say I'm exactly surprised about that? No. If anything, if they did run a wing tee or if they do run a wing tee, hey, that's great for Ken Island because they just faced one. Absolutely. You bring up a very good point about that. So I'm looking to forward, forward to, to seeing this one because I think that uh, Douglas does present some challenges with the way they hand the ball off. You're not sure who's going to get the ball back there, um, and kind of like uh, Colonel. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah they're lined up kind of tight to the line. I think. Um, well, that's so double wing. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, it's just it's a little tighter than like North Carolina runs as a wing T. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it'll Understood. be interesting yeah. to see how it plays out. But uh, looking forward to it again. That's coming up this week, uh, Friday night, and uh, be at Kent Island, and uh, you'll be able to uh, hear the game right here on ninety four three Winks FM. Yeah, I mean, we've got uh, three teams left in the Bayside, so we're uh, certainly rooting them all on as they all are playing, of course, at this point, non-conference games. Let's move on to the 1A-2A. You mentioned Cambridge. We'll talk about them next on Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. If someone you know is exhibiting signs of depression or withdrawal, 
Take time to connect. Ask, are you okay? Listen closely and without judgment. Share mental health resources. For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center is here for anyone struggling with a mental health challenge. Visit forallseasonsinc.org. That's forallseasonsinc.org. It's okay to ask for help. For All Seasons is here for you. And this portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast is brought to you by Queenstown Bank, your hometown community bank, serving the Midshore for over 120 years. Convenient online and in-person banking, plus they have money to lend. Get more info at Queenstown Bank location, at any Queenstown Bank location, that is, or go to queenstownbank.com. We could use some money. So, (laughs) anybody want to sponsor us? It's easy to do. Just uh, uh, email me, mark, at uh, shoresportsmd.com. Yeah, we'll spread the wealth around a little bit. So, but uh, anyway, Mark Potter, Mike Bradley, yeah, uh, Mark, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, you missed payday the other day. <laughs> uh, I'm missing a lot with us here lately. So, well, listen, let's talk about uh, the one A two A. Cambridge South Dorchester had to go to Hartford Tech, which was a tough place to play. We've been there. Yep. And uh, they actually led late in the game, 17-14. They did. And ended up losing 27-17. They gave a valiant effort. But, you know, what a nice way for Peer to wrap up his first year, though. You know, shocking the world beating Parkside. Yep. And then going to Hartford Tech. And, I mean... I'm thinking it's just a play here or play there, and they win the game. Well, I think what it speaks to is that he came from South Hagerstown where he had a lot of success, and he's coached not only at the high school level but college level. He's coached in some high school football-rich states like Georgia and Florida. So to that end, I think that speaks to the coaching ability he has in the staff also, though, the kids ultimately are the ones that have to execute. So give those kids that are there all the credit in the world. Um, you know, it, obviously, it was a challenging year. They met their coach really first day of practice or you know, when uh, or close there, too. So they're learning new coaches, a new system after years of uh, stability there. And you know, some changes over the last couple of years. Um, Coach Parker coming back, Coach Waters, you know, thinking that he would take over. And so it's been it's been uh, rocky the last couple of years. Uh, and then you get a new coach in who's not from the Bayside, not from the shore. So a lot of adjustment and feeling out and new schemes and all that. To do what they did, you give them a lot of credit. And it really is something to build off of, you know, for the future. Hopefully whatever stumbling blocks and for players coming back, hopefully whatever they dealt with, hopefully that's been smoothed over. They're getting there so that next year those guys can hit the ground running. I mean, you're talking a coach that's met his kids like two, two, three days before the first day of tryouts. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, a matter of fact, they were handing out equipment. I was going to say, that's equipment. The day yeah. they met was yeah. two days before right. tryouts right. began. Because we were there for, yeah. for all of it. Yeah. So, yeah. It, you know, hey, kudos to him. You know, because yeah. you got a new coach coming in, have to institute the, the whole new program, including a new offense and a new defense. Yeah, especially and, the offense, which yeah. has more passing in it. And I know they want to try to expand upon that. Yeah. So, you know, they, I, I feel like they did well. Uh, let, let's head down the road. This uh, talking about the uh, why high Stephen Decatur game. Uh, this portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast is brought to you by our friends at Chop Tank Health. You know, they do COVID shots, they do booster shots, and they also do COVID testing, as well 
well as flu shots. If you'd like to be a patient, because they are looking uh, for new patients, go to choptankhealth.org. Uh, so Cambria, I mean, uh, Stephen Decatur and Why High get together. Round two. Round two. And it didn't look good for... Decatur right off the get-go. The first play from scrimmage, Malik Leatherberry picks it off and uh, takes it uh, to the house for a 6 nothing yeah, wide high lead. Yeah. Well, the pick six, and, you know, Luke Petrenko was there, so we're able to go back and see all the action. In fact, uh, you'll be able to find his video. Uh, you're looking, you know, looking up right now, you go to shoresportsmd.com, and you'll see his highlight video there of the action that he was there for. But uh, it didn't stay that way for long. No, it did not. It was a back-and-forth game, uh, as was to be expected. And not quite as high scoring as it was the first time around. That game was 47-41. This one was 30-27. But still, plenty of action back and forth. And I know at one point, now, there were some Bayside coaches that went down to that game that weren't in the playoffs. And so they were giving updates to uh, Coach Griffith. And at one point, they mentioned an onside kick or an offside, yeah, an onside kick, excuse me, that that they gave to Wicomico that Decatur said, well, we recovered it. So there's a little bit of controversy with that but i would say though that the mvp brogan eastlack now you might say well mike oh, a 26 yeah. yarder yeah yeah he had two 26 yarders he also had a 44 yard field yeah. goal you yeah. take that away and the game is tied yeah absolutely he had three big kicks now ashton snowsire another big game 306 yards in the air three touchdowns gavin salito Luke Murgott and Bryson Coleman at a touchdown reception. Salito had himself a heck of a touchdown reception against some uh, defensive play. He did a great job on the one that I saw. Zamir Handy had 129 all-purpose yards. And Marquis Henry, that Coach Coleman on social media really spoke out highly about, not only his receiving ability, but he has really shut down receivers this year. Did a great job. We heard in the game, though, that there was some mixing in and out at quarterback, that Darius Foreman wasn't in there the whole time. Eddie White got in there some so i don't know if his knee flared up on him and they were trying to manage that obviously they were in the game the whole time but a great back and forth affair a field goal with i think about 12 seconds left the difference in the game but as to be expected two, you know ken island's the number one team but wicomico two steven decatur three you had uh, two of the top three teams in the league going at it and this is the result and you hate that one of these teams season had to end well you had uh, four of the top four teams. Well, I mean, I guess North Carolina was the five seed. So, but uh, in, yeah, the, in the in the two A East, yeah, correct? In the two A East, but you know, yeah. I, I think we'll a, see where a, the final a, rankings come. Mark, I haven't done those yet. <laughs> a good a good year, a good year for Y High. Isaiah Taylor has done some special stuff. Uh, I think he feels like they came up short. Although, if you recall back in our conversations with him back in August. This wasn't a state championship year for him, he didn't think. Well, he said they hadn't arrived yet, but that's because they hadn't played a full season yet. Yeah, and and I think that they are going to be one of the tough contenders next year as well uh, in in the 2A. Uh, But Stephen Decatur, I mean, I had no idea. This was the first playoff road win for head coach Jay Coleman in all his coaching career. That I did not know. 
Yes. Wow. The first okay. road win. So uh, now he came close with Cambridge yeah. in his last year, I yeah. think, right? Or am I thinking? Yeah, because yeah. actually Gavin Parker did one, yeah. uh, did win a few on the road, yeah. I think, or at least one big one. So yeah, yeah and, and I was really surprised to learn that. But um, you know, congratulations, Decatur. Uh, after the reshuffling, so because they make it in the state quarterfinals, they get shuffled, uh, reshuffled yep. by points. So Decatur is going to be the eight seed out mm. of the eight teams that are left in the quarterfinals. And they're going to Southern Maryland now to take on Huntingtown, who is the number one seed and a pretty darn good football team. Uh, if Decatur's defense can have a good performance... I think the offense can shine. Well, they faced a pretty darn good offense on Friday, yeah. and they did a better job. Realized the first time they played again, 47, you take away the two special teams, so they gave up 34. So they did a better job against Wicomico this time around, a good offense. So I, I, I don't know the style that Huntingtown runs, so I have to take a look at that. But I, you know, it may be an uphill battle, but I, offensively, though, they've got a lot of experience. They've got a lot of weapons to go to. I, I think they certainly, and, and they got a senior quarterback and throw the ball very well. They certainly give themselves a chance, Mark. So I, I, if they're underdogs, I don't view them as the major dogs. Maybe some do. Well, I think they, the fact that they're eight seed is going to make them the underdog. Well, right, understand underdog, but are they a big underdog, little underdog? I don't view them as a big underdog in that one necessarily. But one of the coolest things that I like about this is the fact that here we go. We're in the final eight. Mm-hmm. And because of the way the bracket's set up, now granted, they have to win two more games to get there okay uh so huntingtown is going to play host to decatur mm-hmm. um the other side of that bracket milford mill playing host to glen elk there's that school again and uh, milford mill uh one of their assistant coaches is one of my producers in baltimore on the fan okay yeah and then on the bottom half of the bracket mm-hmm. uh you have uh, the two seat ken island playing host to douglas this friday night right the uh, three seed oakland mills is playing host to Owing Mills, okay, so if Ken Island and Decatur can win the next two games... Oh, it would be... They could meet for the state championship... Well, that would be something. That would be awesome. ...at Navy. How cool would that be? That would be really cool. And a game that Mike Bradley would have play-by-play on because (laughs) I'm going to be in Myrtle Beach. Wow. Wow. I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, I'm not doing TV this year with the sideline. We're not doing TV because we could only do four instead of all six, and the state wanted all six, so we're going to have to wait till next year. And uh, but yeah, that would be something. I mean, we could all. That would be. I don't know. Has that ever happened before? No. Probably has not. You know. And again, this is an expanded playoff and six classifications. That would be really cool. But obviously, we're wishing both teams really well. And for Decatur, their first. Let me think about this. They went to the state semis in 04. I think it was a little bit different, though, with the setup. Obviously, it was. Um, but uh, that was, yeah, this is their first trip this far since 04. I mean, so they're they're breaking records in 17 years. And the, the job that, that Jake has done in a short period of time there uh, really speaks highly of him, his coaching staff, and ultimately the, uh, the players. All right, let's talk about the 1A. My goodness, Colonel Richardson. Yeah. Remember last week we said it was their very first playoff win, mm-hmm. right? Well, this week they get their second win, 57-28 over Surrattsville. I mean, they took them out behind the woodshed, the baseball dugout, just off to the side of the stadium there, and, and beat the dog snot out of them. Yeah. I mean, 57-28. Congratulations, James Jackson. 
you know, getting it done with his boys. And I know there was some talk about, well, how did they do it against Washington 72? Well, Mark, they scored 56 against Rotsville, though. So 57. That's 57, one more excuse point. me, yeah. So, so that, yeah. yeah, so Pretty they're, they're getting it done. Very the, the three cams and, and the, the offensive line, the defense, I mean, they're making things happen. I'm excited for them this week. They go to Baltimore, and they're going to be taking on uh, Edmondson-Westlake. and uh, West side. It, West side, yes. Yeah. It's going to be a tough game. Um, it, it will be. It yeah. will be. I mean, this is uh, this is a little bit different here, uh, and uh, that's an Edmondson program, and I haven't followed them as closely this year. But you know, Pete Pompey, the the former longtime Dunbar coach, took over there and uh, did a great job. Now they've he doesn't coach for them anymore, but Edmondson is a team that has had success a couple of different times here over the last say ten years. And yeah, I mean, obviously with the population being different and more athletes to choose from, yeah, this is going to be a level of competition. They probably have not faced this year. And I know they faced Wicomico and Ken Island. It's a good thing that they did, yeah. but likely th- this will be a better opponent. Although it is 1A, uh, regardless, uh, they're, they're going to be facing a pretty good team. That will remind them of Wicomico. Well, just to give you an idea, they were the one seed in their region. They uh, they beat Benjamin Franklin 60 to nothing. Yeah. And then they beat New Era Academy 52 20 mm-hmm. to earn their way into this I, one. I mean, there are, and I will say this, though, to Colonel's credit here, there are some weak teams in Baltimore City. It's not all wide roses. There's a reason you play the game. Did did anybody give my Washington football team a chance against Tampa Bay? No. Every single person picked against them. Every single one. Nobody gave them them hope, but they won. And I say that. Now, if they win this game next week, Oh, that's not going to be pretty because they're going to have to go to Fort Hill. <laughs> and Fort Hill, um, talking about beating the dog snot, um, yeah, Fort Hill, is. Uh, they had a first-round bye. Then they came out and they won Friday night 40-14 to over the Northern Huskies mm-hmm. um, out of Accident, Maryland. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, Fort Hill's going to play Joppatown on uh, Friday. But, yeah, that's uh, a Fort Hill team, by the way. They knocked off, I think it was Old Mill. And they knocked them off. Good. That's <laughs> yeah. that's a one A that beat a four A. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm still and I saw Old Mill. That's not a bad team at all. Right. I saw Old Mill in a scrimmage at Kent Island with Elkton, and I'm like, Fort Hill did that to them, really. So yeah, let, let's not get ahead of her. So I would say this. I, I certainly would favor Edmondson in this game, but look at Edmondson's record. I would say that, yes, there are a fair amount of wins that they play teams that aren't very good. Right. Um, Colonel's unique with their double wing. They're obviously going to be ha- going to have to be at their best, and you don't want to turn over the ball, limit the mistakes. But I'll be curious to see how they you know, they play against them. Go out and just, hey, man, they just let it all out here. Yeah, nothing to lose. We're going to try and talk David Inslee into making the trip. All right, it's going to cost us, but uh, we're going to see if we can get him. I mean, to I make think he, yeah. that game's probably going to be a Saturday game, if I'm not mistaken. Probably, but I'll, we'll, I'll look we'll, it up real quick. We'll uh, see. Uh, I mean, right now the the uh, date is set for uh, for Friday, but uh, they do oh, change them so at the last minutes. But uh, I'm thinking Edmondson. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they will play. Um, 
Yeah, if I remember, I know when Cambridge yeah, they played did play up there, Saturday it was nights. a Saturday I mean, game. Friday night. So, yeah, it looks like they will play Friday. Yeah, it's a, so, fri- yeah, it's a Friday yeah. game. It's so, a Friday we'll game. see how that plays out. But good luck to the Colonels. Uh, we're cheering for them. Hopefully, they can bring home that big W and Man, uh, advance to the state semifinals. It, it's, it really is. This is going to go down the record books. They're getting to, I mean, they're getting into areas that the, that program has never been, at least that yeah. we're aware of in the last 40-some years. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, definitely good stuff there um, with the Colonel. So there's your look at uh, football. When we come back, we're going to talk with uh, Joe Semi right here with Time Out with Shore Sports. And uh, that portion of Time Out with Shore Sports is going to be brought to you by our friends at uh, an optical gallery. They've created a brand new sunglass line called Hook Optics, an amazing fit for heads of all sizes and a variety of colored polarized lenses. Stop by an optical gallery in the Teal Marsh Plaza in West Ocean City on West Water Street in downtown Centerville, downtown Easton, and also located um, in the Teal Marsh Plaza in West Ocean City, which I told you already. So uh, check them out online, eisenart.net or hookoptics.com. You finally got to use your glasses from an optical gallery. How'd that work out for you? It uh, worked out fantastic. Let me tell you, I don't know where I'd be without those glasses in that game, especially with the numbers and such. Yes. It made a marked difference, Mark, a marked difference for me. So I, I thank them for the great job that they did last year with getting an eye exam and helping me pick out the lenses and coming back and getting them and the, and the whole nine yards. So it was uh, fantastic. It, it certainly made the broadcast a heck of a lot easier, I'll tell you that. Time out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. And uh, I've got the opportunity to talk with Joe Simi. And uh, he is an artist and now an author as well. And uh, he's getting got a new book out called A Short Season with Ernie. And uh, to give you a little background on Joe, he, he's a ball player, 75 years young and still playing ball in an over-50 league in North Carolina. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. Oh, you're welcome, Mark. My pleasure. Let's talk about baseball first. And, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, you're still playing ball. We had a league here that uh, I did a story on for Short Sports MD that focused on an over-40 baseball league and guys are out still playing there's a guy that's 67 years old that's pitching maybe playing first base and i was just amazed that they're still out there playing whereas i'm just one of those you know fat out of shape guys and as much as you love the game you just don't picture yourself getting out there and being able to hit a fastball but you're doing it at 75 which is amazing well, a lot of that had to do with my grandfather, the way he taught me to play baseball. I mean, we, we, we used to go to ball, ball games all the time. And I just keep myself in shape. You know, I'm the oldest guy in the league. There's no, no doubt about it. But I'm the leadoff batter. I led the team in plate appearances, walks, stolen bases, and I batted 345 this season. Now, on the downside of that, I, I'm not as quick to get out of the way as I used to be. And we have some pitchers. We have some pitchers that are, you know, in their 50, early 50s. Like I faced a pro last year who was six foot eight, and uh, and can still bring it in the mid 80s. And I had an 0-2 count, and he 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 drilled me with a fastball, and I couldn't get out of the way and broke my ribs. Oh, that was wow. last year. Yeah, this year I, I I got drilled twice. I just, you know, I'm just not as quick to get out of the way, and and. Uh, 
you know, some of these pitchers, they throw the first pitch fastball down the middle, and I can't get around on that. And they throw another one, strike two. And then they get cute and throw, throw me a curveball, and I expect it. And so I just slap it over the second baseman's head, and <laughs> then they get mad at me, you know. So, But I, uh, I only made one error in center field this year. I was running real hard for a fly ball in, uh, in left center, and it tipped off my glove. I'm sure they gave the guy a double, but in my mind, in my mind, you know, I I got my glove on it. I should have caught it. See, you know? and in and, my mind, I'm worried at 75. I'm worried about breaking a hip. So. Well, I, you know, I you just can't quit. You know, there's a mo- there's a motto in baseball. It's a, you you don't you don't get old. Um, you don't stop playing because you get old. You get old when you stop playing. You know, and I've never quit. And I mean, I know, I know darn well if I I were to stop playing one year, I'd never be able to get it back the following year. And right now, I work out and do all. I'm 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 still real thin. You know, I have uh, I have uh, diabetes runs in my family, so I have to watch the sugar. But I'm you know what I have is all muscle, and and the guys are ha- you know they tease me all the time. I walk in the dugout, and one of them will say to me, "What are you like 86 now?" <laughs> I said, <laughs> "But they respect me. You know, I don't expect any special treatment because I'm uh, you know I'm older." I just I play I play baseball, you know, and I play hard. Now every every year except for this year, uh, you're normally playing in a huge tournament down in Florida, where you get to see some ex major leaguers and everything. Oh gosh, I faced I have faced Bill Lee, Space Man. I have faced uh, Oil Can Boyd. Um, Bill Lee comes down with a team from New England that was a lot of former Red Sox. Mike Caldwell, who pitched for the Brewers, they all they're all down there and. Uh, you know, Bill Lee is is seventy six years old, and he can still really bring it. You know, he's a big lefty; he's about six foot five, and uh, he he can really throw. And I, I was coaching third base a couple of years ago when he was pitching, and he struck out the side, and he was walking off the field, and and I said, "Nice pitching there, old man." And he said, "Yeah," he said he was looking for the local, but he got the express, <laughs> <laughs> and the guy never never took the bat off his shoulder. You know, and Bill holds court after the game. You know, he's he, he's so funny. He'll say he uh, he tells this one uh, story. He says we're about drug testing. He said, "Yeah, you know, I believe in drug testing." Uh, he said, "Because I tested every drug that ever came out in the '60s." <laughs> <laughs> and are... he goes on and on and on like that. You know, it's just a riot. You know, but playing down there is great. You play in the in the Twin Stadium and Minor League Complex, and you play in the. Uh, in the, in the Red Sox Stadium, the brand new stadium, Jet Blue Stadium, which is looks like a something from outer space outside, but mm-hmm. it's Fenway Park inside. All the dimensions are Fenway Park, Green Monster, all of that. It's it's really a thrill, you know. It really is. It's called the Roy Hobbs World Series. It's it's based on that you know Robert Redford character, Roy Hobbs. Right, right. very it's, cool. It's great. We're There's talking- 250 teams from all over the country that that you know in different age brackets. Wow. Wow, that that is a lot of teams and a lot of a lot of old fellas playing. We're talking with Joe Simi. He is a uh, artist and he's also an author. I would encourage you to go to his website joesimiart.com. That's j o e s e m e art.com and I bring that up because you are a huge baseball fan and you mentioned your grandfather teaching you how to play the game and that caused you to write a book called A Short Season with Ernie. Tell me a little bit about this baseball book. Well, my grandfather was, uh, he lost his son at age 16 to a freak accident on a basketball court. He had a collision under the backboard and uh, and, and ruptured a kidney and didn't even realize it. Played mm-hmm. the rest of the game and then died that night in the hospital. And so my grandfather kind of uh, became a recluse. To be honest with you, my grandmother became an alcoholic. 
my mother, who, uh, who was a younger sister, was, was simply lost. But when I came along in 1946, my grandfather saw it as sort of a, a second chance. So he took me under his wing. They lived just down the street from us. He, he had lived in Philly, but they bought a house uh, down on the Jersey Shore. And uh, he started showing, throwing short hops to my backhand when I was four years old. And I could never understand. I used to say, Pop up, why can't you just throw it to me where I can catch it easily? He said, You'll understand sometime <laughs> why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And he would make me jump up. He would throw short hops at my feet, short hops to my left, short hops to my right, you know, and, and I had to backhand them and, and, and pick them, you know. And so the, the whole thing is about us playing baseball. And, and for my fifth birthday, he took me to uh, Shab Park, later Connie Mack Stadium. And I saw Ted Williams hit a monster home run off a journeyman pitcher named Bob Hooper. This was in like in 1951. And uh, and that night after the game, my grandfather took me down into the bowels of the stadium. And uh, we went in the office. It was this old man sitting at a desk. He had a three-piece suit on and a straw hat on. And uh, he went, unwound himself from his chair and greeted my grandfather like they were old buddies. And I had no idea who this old man was, but it was Connie Mack. Hmm. And, uh, you know, and I, after the game, I, I, you know, asked my grandfather, who's Connie Mack? And he said, I'll tell you about him someday. He's a great man. You know, so those were the, my experiences as a kid. You know, my first Little League tryout, uh, the age limit was, was nine. And by April 1st, I was going to be nine in July. And and they took one look at me when we went to the tryout. Ernie took me to the tryout, and they said, "This, this he's not nine. And my grandfather said, well, put him at second base and hit him a couple grounders and see what he does. So the guy said, well, he's going to get hurt. And my grandfather said, he's not going to get hurt. Just put him out there. So they hit me a ground ball, and I fielded it, fired it to the first baseman, and he dropped it. And some coach, I guess it was the kid's dad, yelled, hey, that's not Gil Hodges over there. <laughs> you know, so, so the next one he hit to me, I just lobbed it over to the kid, and the kid caught it. And then my grandfather, I heard my grandfather say, hit one in the hole. So he hit one up the middle, and I, and I had to backhand it, you know, and I, and I picked it and threw it to first base. And then he said, hit one to his left. So he hit one to my to my left at second base, and, and I dove for it, fielded it, came up, fired it to first base. And everybody's going, oh, <laughs> wow, well, can he hit? And so, so, they, so long story short, they put me up to bat, and I didn't hit him very far, but I didn't miss any. And the last pitch, you know, in batting practice, they say, okay, run this one out. And, and the coach who was throwing the pitches said, you know, okay, guys, you know, field the ball now, throw him out, get him out of first base. And so uh, my gra- I looked over at my grandfather, Ernie gave me a bunt sign, which was a hand on the belt buckle. And uh, you know, keep in mind, I'm only eight years old. Right, I'm tiny. Right. And, uh, and uh, so I bunt. And uh, and I I was on first base before they even picked the ball up. And the commissioner looked over at my grandfather, and the coach looked at my grandfather, and in unison they said, "Okay, he's nine." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but so. baseball is such a game that I mean, it's it's a dying breed anymore. It seems, and you know, not as many kids play it because they consider it boring, but. I think it's what you make of it. Am I wrong? Oh, it's just, it's the most cerebral game there is. I mean, and it's not boring if you really understand it. I mean, I had a, uh, my former mother-in-law was a German lady, and she said, baseball is a stupid game. And I, and I, and I really ticked her off because I said, it's, it always seems stupid to stupid people. <laughs> you know, she, that really went over well, you know. But right. it's, it's, it's the game. I mean, my grandfather used to sit and he'd point things out to me, you know, like, like when the man's on first base, the shortstop would look at the second baseman with his glove over his face and hold his mouth open or closed, which meant mouth open, you cover, mouth, 
mouth closed, I'll cover. Mm -hmm. Things like that. You know, he would tell me to watch the third base coach. He'd tell me to always watch the shortstop, you know, who was like the, the, the big guy on the team, you know, and he knew, you know, he knew where to play. I mean, Cal Ripken was a master at that, you know, uh, uh, positioning, you know, and, and, you know, just a lot of that kind of stuff that went on, you know, and, um, and he, and he taught me about respect for the game. There's a chapter in my book where I, I behaved badly because my father substitutes me for a pinch hitter in the game, and this kid that strikes out all the time. And, and, and it was a lesson to me. And my grandfather was very upset with the way I, you know, I behaved. And, and, I, and, I, and all I ever wanted to do was please him. So to disappoint him was, was really bad. But he got sick. He started to get sick, and I started to notice it. He had, you know, and he'd cough. There was blood on his handkerchief, and nobody would tell me what was going on, you know. And I was just a kid, you know. And and he had all these surgeries. He had smoked as 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 a ball player. He chewed tobacco as a ball player. I asked him why I couldn't chew tobacco, and he said, "You won't like it." So some of us tried it, and we got sick. But we played, <laughs> yeah, we played in a in a, in a in a ratty field next to a laundromat, and there was no EPA in those days. So they dumped their dirty water out into left field, hmm. and it was just a sea of muck out there. You know, and if you hit the ball into the into left field, you uh, you were out, no questions, you know, no discussion about it. So we all learned to hit the opposite, you know, to center in the opposite field, you know. And he used to come and watch us play, and you know, give advice sometimes. But but I see he he got sicker. It got more difficult for me. I started to become like a juvenile delinquent, and all this is in the book. I mean, it's a hilarious book. And yet it's sad at the same time. I mean, one of my one of my uh, uh, teammates, I walked in the dugout, he had read the book, and, and he, he put his finger in my chest, and he said, you son of a bitch. And I said, what's, what's your problem? <laughs> his nickname is Bear. He's a big guy. He said, you had me laughing my butt off in one, in one, on one page and crying my eyes out in the next page. He said, I, how did you do that? I said, I really don't know. But see, Mark, my background was writing. I studied under a, um, a man named Michael Shara at Florida State, who won a Pulitzer Prize mm -hmm. for the, the quintessential book on, on the Civil War. Uh, it's called uh, The Killer Angels. And Ted Turner made the movie Gettysburg from, from that book. And Mike won the Pulitzer Prize for that. So I started in, in writing. And, uh, you know, I wrote magazine uh, articles and things like that. And I sort of became an artist by accident. You know, uh, I owned a nightclub. And I was behind the bar one night, and I had done some little watercolors to, to keep my sanity. And uh, John Kennedy came in there. He was um, doing a seminar at Appalachian State University. He was the art critic for the New York Times. And he said, asked me who did the little watercolors on the wall that my partner had framed. And I said, I did. And he said, son, he said, you, you're, you don't have any art training, do you? And I said, no, I have a degree in American literature. And he said, uh, you really ought to pursue this. He said, I I'm not saying you'll get rich or famous, but there's a spark there that you ought to pursue. And I told my partner, you have three weeks, you know, to learn how to run this place because I'm out of here. And that, that, that was in 1973, and I started painting then professionally, and I've had a great life. I've and, had a great life. And you also had an opportunity where Mickey Mantle came in and spent some time with uh, you at your bar, too. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you that story? Can we talk about that on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, sure we can. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you heard it yesterday. Okay, well, we when this uh, my nightclub was in the mountains and, uh, in a place called Banner Elk, which is uh, near Sugar Mountain, Beach Mountain Ski Resorts. And the town, the closest town is about 15 miles away, was Boone. And um, they had this thing called the Snow Carnival of the South in, uh, in, in those days. And it's like in 1972 this was. And... Um, uh, Mickey Mantle was the Grand Marshal, 
they had professional ski racing. They had uh, uh, Jean-Claude Keeley was there, Spider Savage, all the top names in ski racing were there at, at Beach Mountain. And, uh, and Mickey Mantle was the Grand Marshal. And uh, he had to be at all these events, and he cut the ribbon and all of that, you know. But he walked in my club with some people the first morning of the, of the uh, festival, the uh, carnival. And, uh, and he got to drink for free because everybody was so excited. My bartenders were giving him Bloody Marys. I was all excited. <laughs> this is my idol, Mickey Mantle. You know, he's, in my, he's calling me by my first name, Joe, and I'm calling him Mick. And, and at night, we're sitting around talking about baseball. I, I talked to told him talked to him about that home run he hit off Hoyt Wilhelm and Griffith Stadium and a home run I saw him hitting Yankee Stadium off Barry Latman and another one off Don Mossy and he, he remembered all of it you know but it was just like heaven for me it was like being with my grandfather again but anyway Mickey found out that he could drink for free in my club and you know Mickey liked to drink so every day he would blow off some of these events <laughs> and he would show up at my club and somewhere along the way, he lost this parka that they gave him, this beautiful ski parka that said Snow Carnival of the South, Grand Marshal. And he lost it somewhere. And he wore, um, you know, we had snow on the ground. It's uh, in January. And uh, um, he wore white loafers, a pair of plaid golf pants, and, and a golf sweater. And that's all he wore. It was about 10 degrees outside most of the time, you know. <laughs> but he was kind of lubricated most of the time anyway. So yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and and you know everybody was taking pictures with him and 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 asking him for his autograph and bringing in baseballs and getting, and I never did that. I felt like being on a first name basis with Mickey Mantle. If I asked him for his autograph, it would be it would be kind of cheap. So I never did. You know, it would cheapen it, cheapen it. So the last night he outlasted all the dignitaries that were at my club. My club sort of became the unofficial headquarters, and uh, he outlasted everybody, and he was pretty well loaded when, when we left. It was snowing like crazy. It was already probably a foot of snow on the ground. The roads were covered with snow, real icy, and so my brother had a four-wheel drive Bronco. So we put Mickey in the back, and I was riding shotgun, and my brother was driving on these mountain roads. And we get into Boone in the four-lane where, um, where the Holiday Inn is, and uh, a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of people on the road, you know, uh, ski, uh, ski season, people going to clubs and bars and, you know, out. and Mickey was in the back of the car sprawled out. And all of a sudden he said, stop the car. I turned around. I said, what's the matter, Mick? And he said, I got to take a leak. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and so, so I pull my brother pulls over and we expected Mickey to go to the side of the road. Oh, no. Oh, no. He went to the front of the car in the headlights, a lot of traffic on the road, and he's standing in the headlights, peeing in the road. And uh, I'm watching him, and I, I turned to my brother, and I said, that's number seven. That's Mickey Mantle. That's my idol pissing in the road. <laughs> and my brother goes, well, that's why I don't like baseball. I love it, and uh, I appreciate this time that you've spent with us. And Joe Simi, he wrote the book, A Short Season with Ernie. If you are a baseball fan, this is definitely a book for you. Maybe you like art, sports art. Even if you're not a baseball fan, you know, women are telling me how much they love this book because of the the warmth in it. It's a feel-good book. It's uh, kind of along the lines of of, uh, The Sandlot. You know, oh. that movie, The Sandlot. Yeah. That's that's kind of where, you know, that's kind of where it is. Well, you need but, to check it out. How how can they go and find this book and buy it? Go to my website, 
joesemeart, J-O-E-S-E-M-E-A-R-T.com, or just Google my name, Joe Semi, and the website will come up. And as soon as you click on the website, the book will be right there, and you can just click on it, buy now, put your credit card number in, and uh, I'll send you the book. And if you want it signed, make a note of that. And I will uh, – well, they're all signed, but I will personalize it for you if you like. Most people want me to do that, especially if you're a ball player. I'll write something in it like from an old center fielder to an old shortstop. If you want to do that. And you know what? Christmas is coming. Yes, it is. That's exactly what I was getting ready to say. If you have a kid that's playing baseball, um, or maybe your your kid has graduated from high school and has graduated from playing ball in college, you know, what a great book. uh, Or your great uncle who played in the 50s. Your great uncle who played in the 50s, and it'll bring him back. I'm getting emails from, from guys who've read the book that played baseball and said, you've taken me back. Because there's a lot of description in there of the first major league game. You know, you come up right. out of the bowels of the stadium and you see that green grass and the lights, and it just blows you away. And I and I would bet that most uh, guys my age, anyway, who went to their first major league baseball game, remember what the score was, who won, and what the highlights were. You know, they they never for something you never forget, Mark. I'm sure you you've done it. Right. You come up out of the bowels of the stadium and you see that grass and the scoreboard and. It just blows you away, and it's like seeing the Eiffel Tower for the first time. And you the know, you smell just, you, you, of the fresh cut Oh, grass. the smell. Oh. In, in, in my day, it was cigar smoke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes, and everybody was dressed up. Most of the men were wearing coats and ties and fedora hats. You know, I mean, it was uh, – mm. I never forget it. Every time I smell a cigar, I, I think of Shive Park that first night. You know, I can't, can't help it. I well, love it. Listen, we really appreciate you spending the time with us. JoeSemiArt.com. A short season with Ernie. Check out the website as well. He's got all sorts of different art, sports art, and what have you. And uh, I, th- I think you can spend some time there. But definitely order a book, A Short Season with Ernie, at Joe Simi, J-O-E-S-E-M-E-Art.com. It's that easy. And, Joe, again, thank you for your time, sir. And we look forward to uh, talking again sometime in the near future. Thank you, Mark. And your book is in the mail. Thanks so much, buddy. I appreciate it. All right, you take care. Bye-bye. Well, I want to thank Joe Semi for uh, definitely uh, talking with us, uh, a guy that has so much history and baseball and knowledge, and you can get that book, like we said in the interview, joesemiart.com, and 75 years, still getting it done. Yes, Brian, like I said, I hope I'm uh, as half as uh, with it together and active as he is when I get to that age. Hey, uh, kudos to him, and I really appreciate him taking some time to be a part of the podcast. Share this podcast with your friends and your neighbors, even your enemies for that matter. If you have comments. Because they're not our enemies necessarily. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Give them time. Uh, You can uh, let them know. If you have comments, maybe recommendations, you can send it to... Uh, Mike at ShoresportsMD.com or send it to me at Mark at ShoresportsMD.com. Make sure you check out our website because uh, ShoresportsMD.com, uh, we've got, it's constantly changing. We're constantly adding stuff on there uh, and some good stuff, too. And well, you know what uh, yesterday was, right, Mike? The yesterday, 15th? the 15th. No, fill me in. First day of winter sports tryouts. Oh, uh, that's right. Now, I did see that on the sign when I was entering Kent Island on yeah. Friday night for the uh, football game. I did see that up, yeah. Basketball, swimming, mm-hmm. indoor track and field, wrestling. Yeah. 
it, it's all starting. Yeah, I, ice I, hockey. I can't wait to get into sports that I haven't delved into because Overtime Live has been a football venture for me. Only now with Shore Sports, I get to delve into a ton more sports, and I love being at the high schools. I really do. We're going to get out to all of the schools, including Pocomo, as long as they let us in the door. So uh, we'll, we'll be getting out in Chris Field and Washington and Snow Hill and Decatur, you know, all, all of the uh, uh, public schools in Wicomico County and the private schools, too. We don't want to forget about the private schools as True. well. yeah. Because right. we have some of those, too. So we'll be getting out to the uh, schools over the next couple of weeks so that we can talk to the coaches and maybe even some of the players and find out what they expect for this upcoming season. Looking forward to it. I, I don't know much how much time you're going to have, Bradley, because you, you've got a, a baby coming yeah, in. Yeah, my uh, copious spare time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we've, I mean, got, we've got, thankfully, enough family that should be able to help me out a little bit. And with all the family, I may want to get out of the house. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to take advantage of those opportunities, Mark, to get out to the high schools with you and give, a, give myself a little downtime. 11 days from the 16th of November. As of, as of now, Brooke thinks she might be a little early. We'll see. What? Huh? Early? I said a little early. I mean, maybe a day or two or three. We'll see. Oh. Well, she's on her feet a lot. So what they say is when you're on your feet a lot that maybe you'll be a little bit early. I mean, it does happen. I, I know, but huh. I mean, she does understand that we have a football game well, on the 26th, hopefully. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, I, mean, I, yeah. I hear you. Well, I mean, I the mean. good news with that is that assuming Ken Island wins, they're going to win Friday night, that I'll be within you know a short drive of the hospital. So I'll be able to do it. And yeah, I, I'm hoping that the baby knows that Friday night lights, it's just not something that you uh, interfere with. That's right. So uh, <laughs> and, and he, he's expecting a girl. Um, and uh, if she... Well, my if, wife's expecting a girl. Yeah. Uh, you're not sure what I'm you're ex- expecting. I'm a dad. I'm, I know I'm going to be a dad, which yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's... It's it's gonna hit me at some point. It hasn't hit me now because I, I there's no way in a, in a million years I thought I'd be a dad. All this talk, you're gonna be leaving here, and because I mean, let's face it, for me that's what I always want. I always wanted. I mean, I had my my oldest son, mm-hmm. and then Mindy and I had our son, mm-hmm. and I was like, I gotta have a girl. And then we had Mackenzie, our right. daughter. Well, I'm glad it worked and out that way. It, it, yeah, me too. Because you never know. I'd have been having like a Catholic family if not. Um, <laughs> I'd have kept trying until I got a girl. Um, because it, it, as much as I love my boys, right. there's nothing like being that's a what daddy they say. to a girl. Well, that's what they say. Yeah. That's what they say. And I, I had a little experience with that in a former relationship. And uh, I cherished it and, and still do to this day. And so uh, that, uh, that gave me... Uh, I think that things happen for a reason, so I think that that experience led me to uh, what will be taking place here soon. And nothing like one of your own, my son. So uh, yes, that's you, you, you are <laughs> yeah. bills I, included. <laughs> I, I hope you've been saving up. So thanks again. For yeah, listening. Mark. Speaking of which, it's pay, it's pay time. Actually, we're past pay time. Payday. That's that right. There's that pay thing again with you. But uh, <laughs> I, I told you, you're in this for the long haul. So <laughs> Mike Bradley, is Mark that going to pay the college tuition? <laughs> well, eventually. Thank God we have a win. How old will she be? So we got we got 18 we years. 18 so years. Don't worry about it. All right. So by then, I'll be done paying off these two. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, thanks again for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, and join us next week right here. Time Out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another timeout soon here on ShoresportsMD.com.